I'm John Peterson, author of Playing at the World and Game Wizards. You are listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris, Peter, and Jessica talk about the changes coming to Dungeons and Dragons with One D and D. In the news, more million-dollar Kickstarters on the way. Planescape confirmed for 2023, along with four other new products a 3D virtual tabletop from Woods to the Coast, and more. Plus, five minutes of Con with Egg Embry and a brand new sketch about the fun things that can be found in a dragon horde. This week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG Talk. This podcast is sponsored by the Garbin Street Iguana Clinic. With world-class veterinary consultants, Garbin Street Iguana Clinic is by far the best and most well-known iguana clinic in the 16 duchies. In a recent survey, one out of one respondents were unable to recommend another iguana clinic. The Garbin Street Iguana Clinic, for all your iguana medical needs. Iguanas only, other reptiles need not apply. For the tabletop role-playing news, we aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse. And Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am the newly tattooed Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ. And with me this week is Peter Coffee from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Completely ink-free, has is my want. Also joining us today, we have the most amazing. Divining Minds, the logistics person that is arranging for everyone to get all their shiny, shiny books from EM Publishing's works. It's a one. It is the only. It is. It's me, Jessica from EM Publishing. And uh, I apologise, my voice is a bit weird this week. I, I'm not 100% well, but I'm here. Yeah. So last, last night I had to step in for you to run the You say step monthly... in. You were, you were always going to be <laughs> in the live stream. Yeah, I, 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 I had to run it. <laughs> Oh, um, present it um, because you were busy dying of the plague. I was still there. It was behind the scenes. I just decided to not be on camera for everyone's benefit. <laughs> and also, this week in tabletop RPG, if you watch that, you'll notice there's no visuals of me in it. I've just put images <laughs> in of what it's I'm just talking all those about. Boils, isn't it? It's all the boils and all the all the, the, oh. the warts. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever no. else you get, what do you get from the plague? I don't know what you get. Uh, which one? I, yeah. I pretty much looked like the Black cover of Sickness and Health by in publishing so if you look at that that's me right, right. um so yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, jessica could you do one small favor for me what could you say brains no <laughs> fine my suspicions will have to go unconfirmed for now <laughs> yeah okay then so um we've got a big news week this week so i think we should dive straight into it yes. oh giant amounts of news are you talking about the big announcement that happened yesterday on the live stream and by that i mean the em publishing live stream that took place <laughs> which is clearly what everyone's talking about the, the relevant live streams yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i wasn't but okay <laughs> oh no i was just joking we did uh it's always so great when you we scheduled our live stream it's always the third thursday of the month and it just so happened that dean was the coast did theirs on the same day which that happened before you know, as well which yeah oh, they yeah. do it on purpose so they're like what what is em publishing doing let's i'm sure yeah. that's what happens I'm sure. I, 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 I mean, you say that, but there's a lot of convergent evolution going on, as we were the 
Doubtless Explore has been carried on. It is. Well, in ours, mm. we were talking about the Dungeon Delver's Guide, um, mm. which is coming to Kickstarter so soon on the 30th of August. So we, we were talking about that. So if you are interested in hearing about that, we won't talk about it on the show now. Uh, but there's a whole live stream for an hour where um, Russ and Paul talk about that. So mm. But we are actually going to talk about the Wizards of the Coast one. Russ. I, I suppose yes. if we must. I, I will before say, we get... I, I have been inspired by the thing. Cuberos. Anyway. Right, before we get to that, should we do some smaller bits of news first? And, oh, then, then. We'll, and then we'll do the bit, because the Wizard of the Coast stuff's going to take ages. This well, is the news of the week, pretty much, yeah. yeah. What other okay. news do you have? I mean, there is a massive amount of news other than that. It has been pretty much taken up by all the D&D stuff. Um, so there's an interesting bit of news about the Embracer group. Oh, yes. Middle Earth Enterprises, which is all the rights to Lord of the Rings and The Habit. Now, an embracing group, Embracer Group owns Asmodee, yeah. own a couple of video game studios, um, Square Enix, they, um, they, they got like, I think this, this year, last year. Um, so they're like hoovering up an awful lot of stuff. And their recent acquisition was Middle Earth Enterprises, which means they yeah. own the movie, video game, tabletop game, all the rights to go with all of the Tolkien stuff. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is going to affect 3D in any way whatsoever. Well, because... that's what I thought, because they literally, just like last week, we were talking about the Lord of the Rings. Mm. Yeah. Well, generally speaking, if you, acquire, if you acquire a company, you, the, uh, license, you acquire the licenses with it. Yeah, So yeah. They'll, be, they'll, they'll be beholden to the same license that the previous owner was. Yeah. So, say, um, Tolkien, uh, say uh, 3D had a five-year license. Mm-hmm. They'll have the yeah, yeah. yeah. It just means like long term, it's likely they won't get renewed then because they'll probably yeah, want to take yeah. it. Yeah, depends on what happens at the renewal date. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting though. I mean, you know, um, and of course, um, with Asmodee, um, the Embracer Group owns Edge Studios, which is the sister company to Fantasy Flight Games. Yeah, so mm. they own an RPG company. Yeah. So I wonder if, like, when the license for 3D expires, whenever that is. Three years, five years, whenever that is, that might be a factor. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Which makes me nervous. I always, I don't like it when big corporations own lots of things. That's and fair. that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> 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 like, well, yeah. It's like, we, we talked about monopolistic effects. Um, there are yeah. many smart people who will try and tell me that because D&D does not have 100% of the RPG market, it therefore cannot be a monopoly. And I gotta say, that's not what the economists say. It's got like a huge effect on the market. So when D and D moves, everyone else just has to get out of the way or follow along. Yeah, yeah. That, that's how it is, man. Yeah, well, talking of big things. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you know the old uh, million dollar tabletop RPG Kickstarter club. Yes. Yeah. So that has a new member in it now. Oh, crikey. And that was uh, Monkey DM's Steinhardt's Guide to the Eldritch Hunt, a five E supplement. Which mm. ended this week yeah. on two point seven million dollars. Wow! God Making damn. it after Avatar Legends, it yeah. is now the second biggest tabletop RPG Kickstarter in history. Wow! Well done, uh, nearly twenty, DM. nearly twenty thousand backers there. Ooh. Nice! It's a, it's a big one. That um, I don't, that kind of came out of the blue. So Monkey DM, I think we mentioned that yeah. maybe last week or the week we, before. Yeah, a couple of weeks back. Yeah. As, as a Patreon, it blows a notice of um, mm. those followers. So um, they have a, an existing following. Mm. Yeah. And I think there was a YouTube channel. I'm not sure. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, but anyway, yeah, right up there at the top, like blown past everyone in the list except for Avatar Legends. Like 2.7 million is massive. 
Sloshy. Nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's another one, another contender. So that, that's uh, quite an interesting uh, result. Uh, did they have? They had lots of um, uh, paraphernalia, didn't yeah, they? Tons of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, tons of it. Yeah, which, which yeah. obviously adds to your price of the pledge. She's got the shipping yeah. in there. Yeah. All these yeah. swells. So their average well, for comparison, then if mm-hmm. I just pull that back up to where I was just now, the average pledge level for their ooh, here we go was. One hundred and thirty-seven dollars, which is really high. That is really high. a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look at the million-dollar Kickstarters, they've all got high average pleasure levels. Yeah, like I mean, none of them have. None of them have got sort of like forty-dollar average pleasure levels. Uh, I mean, Rush, you you all know better than I, but I think this is like one of the highest. This is this is the second highest million-dollar Kickstarter, mm. but also the highest without an existing IP behind it. Um, yeah, because the only one above it is Avatar Legends. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, and what about three and four? Well, they're, 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 they're so number three games, is that Fool's Gold into the Bellowing Wilds from Hit Point Press. That was okay. in November last year, right? Right. And number four is Matt Colville's Strongholds and Streaming from 20, 2018. Okay, so that's quite interesting then. So it shows that intellectual property can give you a massive boost if you tie it right. Mm. And yeah. for a non Dungeons and Dragons product. But in well, general, if you want to make money, Dungeons & Dragons is a very staunch way to do it. But you don't yeah. necessarily have well, the to... Top, the, top five, the top five are all D&D 5e apart from Avatar Legends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, 5e is clearly the dominant force there on that chart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting, sounds. 5e and miniatures as well, is the other dominant yes, force. Yes, yeah. But we've got, we got another comp- contender coming in. So, 28 oh, wow. days ago. So, just launched a day or two ago. Already at nearly $600,000. Yeah. Is Sebastian Crow's Guide to Drakenheim from the Dungeon Dudes? Now they've already had a million dollar Kickstarter. Nice, uh, and that was in August 2021, so a year ago, mm-hmm. uh, called Dungeons of Drakenheim, and that made 1.2 million dollars. Yeah, looks like this one's going to make a million dollars as well for <laughs> sure. So this will be their second million dollar Kickstarter, assuming it does. They're affiliated with Ghostfire Gaming, and Ghostfire Gaming, yeah. I think, helps make a lot of the paraphernalia, because they've got mm. miniatures in this. Yeah. Um, they've got, um, yeah, they've, oh, they've got a giant mini there. But minis are a lot to make. I mean, with the volume of backers they've got, they'll be fine, because the setup costs will dwarf. Yeah. Mm. But, you know, as, 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 as is often the case with these, a lot, a lot of this is all the, it's not the core book that's doing it. It's all the, they've got card decks and they've got a GM screen. Ooh. They've got a miniature set and a player journal and a fabric map and, you know, dice and a scroll case. And, you know, yeah. there's tons of, tons of extra stuff that you can get. My. And that's what pushes the average pleasure level up. What in the sweet Jiminy Cricket is that model there? Well, the big one? I've no idea. Big the tentacular one. thing. Big one is like, I've got a Cthulhu model that I'm pretty sure is smaller than that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that is. That's, I'm, that's, sure, I'm sure if you scroll down the It's called the, the, the Duchess. Uh, Duchess. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know where these people are coming from. They've been all over Instagram with their uh, new classes and stuff that they've been advertising, which I have been ignoring because I have no interest in their new classes. <laughs> yeah, the Duchess is a delirium spawned monstrosity. So um, that's my that's my favourite sort of monstrosity. Oh, and there's yeah, a miniature yeah. next to it of their most devoted servant, the cardinal, which is like tiny. It looks mm. like an, a female anglerfish next to a male anglerfish for like a right. scale yeah. comparison. It is a yeah. twenty-eight mil model next to my days. That is mm. that is a big one because it's yeah. the actual model. If you look, it's actually got three human-sized 
things. It's Hello, basically, yeah. it's wrapped around a summoning circle. <laughs> and the anglerfish thing is a very good metaphor for what we're looking at. Yeah. There's, mm. a, lot of, there's a real strong undersea vibe going on here with tentacles mm. and thrills and old oh, my days. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's almost certainly going to hit a million, I think. Yeah. Wow. Bully for them. Good for them. That sounds fun. It does look <laughs> very high production values on a lot of the special editions. Yeah. Yeah. Slip bookcases mm. and all that, so So did you guys see the spell jams? The spell jams? The spell jams. I didn't. No. <laughs> so Tell this is it. a spell jammer soundtrack. Is <laughs> a thing that exists. So Spelljammer came out this week. I thought people were getting together to try and design spells, but your way makes <laughs> so much more sense. <laughs> Maybe in a bardic so, sense they are. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so this is um, from killrockstars.com. You can get this. Yeah. You can pre-order it for $49, um, but you get the, the digital version, version straight away, and then you get the double LP later, mm-hmm. which will ship in late 2022, early 2023. And this is uh, uh, basically an album of yeah. rock music, kind of a bit Stranger Thingsy, I think, yeah. which... It's designed to go along with Spelljammer, like officially licensed with like the D and D logo on it and okay. everything. And um, yeah, it's just not what I was expecting to see this week. Oh, and vinyl as well, no less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Just looking at the the, the, the track list there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've lost it. I've lost the track list. Where did it go? I've got oh. it. So we've got really Magic Sword, Seeds of yeah. Destruction. That mm-hmm. is a good one. OC's Arena of Blood. Okay. <laughs> Reggie Watts, space is a place, yeah. which okay. is a fact I cannot deny. Yeah, um, this, is, yeah. this is like an anthology album. There's lots of different artists here. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, nineteen yeah. different bands. Looks like. Yeah, yeah, it looks like nineteen different ones. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ghost of the Nautiloid, Moon Dancer, Love is the Disaster, Chaotic Evil Astral Elves. That's a good name for, <laughs> for a track. I can get behind that. Yeah, yeah. Well, Spelljammer's out this week, so people have it now. Yeah, you can listen to it. It's on on Spotify now as well. Okay, so you can can. listen to it if you wish. If you have a Spotify account. Yeah, it's on there. I'm opening it now. Yeah, it's all all there. Really? That's a a new one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Right, I suppose we've got to get on to the D&D news. Yeah. It's got to be done. I'm just trying to work which order to do it. Let's do the one D&D stuff last, the new D&D edition stuff last, and do the other stuff first. Does that sound good? I mean, sure. Okay, so do you want to start with Dragonlance, or do you want to start with 2023's lineup? Or do you want oh. to mention the Legend of Drizzit? Drizzit. 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 Yeah, I, I'm not a pronunciation person today. I'm trying my best <laughs> with what I a, have. This is not a podcast where we pronounce things. Drizzit. Yeah. This is a, yeah. the best podcast. All right, let's start with that one then. So let's just start with that one then. So okay. it's 35th anniversary of, mm-hmm. of Drizzt du Erden. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's 39 books mm-hmm. that have been produced over the years about Drizzt. And they're all being reprinted with new covers. And there's going to be a new webcomic. And in March 2023, there's going to be a, a visual dictionary full of like art and lore from the books, from Ooh. 39 books. Sweet. So if you're a Drizzt fan, it's yeah. a good time to be a Drizzt fan because you can buy the books again yeah. with new covers and you can buy a new visual dictionary. They're also updating all the digital versions as well, so they will look, mm. they will match as well. So, 
Next, next yes. on the list. So we've got Dragonlance or we've got 2023's lineup. Dragonlance. Dragonlance. Because I've got to say, even though I'm not like a Dragonlance person, that yeah. the hype you two have for it has got me kind of on the hype train for it. I'm, it made me interested. Choo-choo. Well, no, I don't know. If, no, this is going to be good. We're talking about our nostalgic memories of Dragonlance. I will in listen. The past. I find it interesting. I don't yeah. know. Okay. So, that, so Shadow with the Dragon Queen. Mm-hmm. Hardcover adventure, two hundred and twenty-eight pages, levels one to eleven, mm-hmm. and it is coming out on December the sixth. And it is set in Solamnia, right at the beginning of the War of the Lance, and it's one of the very first Dragon Army invasions. Because, like, Ooh. by the time uh, the Dragon Lance Chronicles started, oh. the war's already underway elsewhere in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Like, um, you know. So you can hear you, you and the dragon the armies are just starting to reach down there yeah but this is earlier than that and it's, it's the very first dragon armies attack attacking salamnia right Ooh. at the beginning of the dragon war yeah yeah so that 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 is the thing there's going to be um rules for kender knights of salamnia towers of high sorcery they're updating dragon draconians in some way i don't know how but they would need mm. to distinguish them presumably from dragon born which, mm. yeah. yeah yeah because they're obviously very different to dragonborn I mean, one is a um, heritage which consists entirely of things that look exactly like dragons, but like people-shaped. Mm-hmm. And one is a heritage of people that look exactly like people, but dragon-shaped. And when they die, they explode or turn to stone or become acid or something else. Or whatever, yes. Yeah, yeah. They all do things like that, yeah. Very, things very... that normal humans do then. So. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like, I mean, I personally don't think that... It, it it would be very much fun to be a dragonborn in Dragonlance because people would be like, oh, well, you're a dra- how do you prove you're not a draconian? Well, we, well, we stab them and they didn't <laughs> and explode. See what happens. Yeah. See if yeah. explode. Stab them to death, didn't, did not explode. Oh, well, never mind. At least they- that sounds like what they did in the witch trials. It's like, well, if they die and they float, they're clearly yeah, not exactly. witches. Like, witch. Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, well, draw a dragonborn didn't exist when Dragonlance came out. No, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, I mean, so, I guess they're going to sort of retrofit them in. But then Dragonlance didn't have orcs either, and they definitely existed. Mm. There were no orcs in Dragonlance. I don't know whether they're going to be in Dragonlance. Yeah, yeah. Because if you can leave orcs out, you can leave out Dragonborn, surely. I don't know. Yeah, works for me. Yeah. Um, leave out I, as well. I like the, the idea of them setting it in parts that aren't covered in the novels and they're a bit before, because it means someone like me that's new to it, mm. I don't. Mm. I can jump in. I don't have to be like, oh, I don't know the whole lore. I don't know the history. Because yeah. when this is set, my character doesn't need to know all that because yeah. they exactly. can't. Yeah. So I think and that's a really, yeah. through play, Ex- which has got wow. to say is one of my favourite things to do. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I don't want to have, I don't want to play through the story because you know what? I know the story. I've read the story. I want to do yeah. a different story with my character doing important things. Thank yeah, you, you want to be in the world, but yeah. you don't just yeah. want to railroad through the story already written. Yeah. And so this seems like a really good yeah. a really good move. So that's the 6th of December anyway. So it's called Dragon Art Shadow of the Dragon Queen. It's going to come yeah. in two editions. So it's going to be the regular edition yeah, mm-hmm. with a cover by Cynthia Shepard and then the alternate cover edition. Ooh. This is the first time I've been tempted to get an alternate cover. Oh. So normally I don't give a crap about that stuff. No. Whatever. But... This has got Lord Soth on the alternate cover. You do like your Death Knight. I do like my Lord Soths. Uh, yeah. I do like a Lord Soth. So this Don't is like Chase Stone. That's what I like. <laughs> uh, it's like just his head, just his helmet. Oh, yeah. Here we go. There you go. Have a look at that. Yeah. All right, we'll take a look. Uh, I, I so Lord, like- Soth, Lord Soth is in this. Mm-hmm. 
Um, he's going to be riding something called a death dragon. It's not traditionally, Norsoff doesn't ride a dragon, does he? It's a no. weekend thing. But now he does, apparently. So uh, he's, he's been riding a death dragon. That looks like a red one to me, but okay. No. Oh, okay. Yes. I see. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is a tricky one. Hmm. That is a tricky one, Russ. Yeah. I see why. I see. I now see your dilemma. Yeah, it's a lovely cover, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the base cover for those listening at home, it consists of in the background there is Lord Soft with a full face helm with a grill visor, and you can see glowing red eyes peeking out from underneath it, and the helm forms a sort of crown with a plume going over the top. And for in- those who don't know who Lord Soth is, he's Darth Vader. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> and Darth Vader. <laughs> you know is also- if you know who Darth Vader is, you know who Lord Soth is. <laughs> And then you've got Darth Vader riding on a red dragon with some, I don't know, draconians, dragonborn, skater guys, half dragons in the foreground, looking a bit nondescript, to be fair. Mm. Uh, not the strongest cover I've ever seen, but not a terrible one. Like, yeah, I'm quite enjoying it. it it's uh, setting out what it is. Then Dragonlance Shadow of the Dragon Queen, the alternate cover, that is a much more interesting mm. proposition. Because normally with these, abs- normally with these covers, they've been heavily into abstract haven't they yeah or they're very very heavily stylized in some way precisely yeah it's like it's it's very hard to really discern any details whereas this has almost a photorealistic uh almost looks like a hologram yeah yeah it's like it, it really leaps out at you um and the main focus is again that helm of lord soft with the um mm. the intro you can see all the details upon the helmet and yeah yeah gotta say looks yeah. nice looks nice yeah so Wes Schneider, who's the senior game designer at D&D, and he's the project lead for Dragonlance Shadow of the Dragon Queen. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, Dragonlance's D&D setting war for massive conflicts for these worldwide sweeping, world-changing battles. Um, in this adventure, we're taking players back to the storied War of the Lance, where the forces of the infamous Tiamat, or mm-hmm. Tarkesis, as she is known in Quinn, is marching her armies of evil dragons and draconian dragon folks and other evil humanoids against the people of Kryn trying to take over the world. Interesting there that they are formally saying yeah. Tiamat and Tarkesis are the same thing. That is actually quite big, to be fair. Yeah, like, that I is mean, quite big. The representation in Kryn... Because Tarkesis is a greater god, whereas Tiamat is very much a lesser sort of... Like, they're, 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 yeah. they're a five-headed dragon. They're still a serious issue, but Tarkesis... Mm. Uh, and normally her avatar is seen as more of like a vaguely glamorous dark lady as opposed to rampaging five-headed doom. Yeah, but I she mean, does but do the five-headed to... dragon thing a lot. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But most of the time, that's the yeah. impression you get when talking to her. Whereas yeah. Tiamat's just straight dragon I often face. switch between those two modes as well, so it's quite common. It is, yeah. it is why Me this too. podcast Me is too. so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you so, do, guys. Yes, you do. <laughs> so, in this adventure, um, Schneider continues, uh, we're going to see the Dragon Army's incursion into Solamnia, mm. which is a night of, which is a land of knights and heroes. That's where the Knights of Solamnia come from and the mm. Oath and the Measure and all that stuff. Oh. So that's kind of Dragon Lance's place where there's castles and knights and yeah. that, that stuff. And moustaches, lots of moustaches. Oh, a lot yeah, of moustaches yeah. in Solamnia. Um, yeah. Uh, the players will find themselves at the forefront of this battle in the defence of Salamnia against this evil wave of tyranny. Gosh. Sounds fun. Yeah. 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 Quite interestingly, Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman's recent novel mm-hmm. was also set at the beginning of the War of the Lance. Okay. And also set in Salamnia. Although not huh. linked to this in any way whatsoever. Yeah. Okay. So it is. Mm. Yeah. Which was it? 
Yeah. Um, so um, they did, they say they took um, inspiration from movies and famous photographs from World War One and World War Two. Whereas like the dragons are like tanks, you know, you're like, there's this picture of some adventurers standing on a, on a dragon. And you know, like those pictures from the war where it's like, oh, we, we captured a tank and now this is us standing on the tank we captured. Mm. Mm. And there's, there's lots of sort of historical pictures like that. So they're sort of doing that sort of thing with dragons. So dragons are kind of like the, the tanks of the, uh, yeah. of the fantasy world, I guess, in some, oh, I in some kind of way. Mm-hmm. Mm. And also, they talk about the art and how much fun it is to they get to do an awful lot of people riding dragons. Yeah, yeah. Because that's one of the staples of Dragonlance, people riding dragons. I mean, uh, I, that's what yeah. you want from a game like this, isn't it? You want to be in a big war, riding a dragon, feeling powerful, looking mm. cool, living your best life. Yeah, well, the good guys don't get to ride the dragons, unfortunately. That's for the bad guys. Once you've killed them and you sit in them like a tank, apparently, you can. <laughs> that's, that's why they're doing it. They're like, we huh. want to do that. Well, spoilers for the original Chronicles, the good, good dragons do turn up eventually, but they take their sweet bloody time about it, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very, very asymmetrical. And it's like, well, we can win small events, but as soon as they bring the dragons in, then run away. Yeah, it's all over, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they, 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 they almost certainly can't hurt them in many respects. Mm. They're just too being yeah. too tough. So also, yes. um, they talk a little bit about Lord Soth. So we've got Lord Soth riding a death dragon, which is a new type of undead dragon. Oh. Um, they mentioned, uh, if you don't, even don't know Lord Soth from all the stories and adventures, you will know him from the Monster Manual. He's mentioned in the Monster Manual as like the iconic death knight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But of, course, of course, we know him from the Dragonlance Chronicles and the Dragonlance Legends. And the various Star Wars movies. He's looking Sorry? pretty hardcore goth in a lot of these pictures. Like he's he's a lot about his aesthetic, isn't he? He cares about mm. that. He oh, can 100%. point at you and tell you to die, and you will. That's no. one of his powers. Yeah. Rude, yeah. admittedly, but yeah. you know, that's one of his powers. You just wow. die, and you die. Yeah, which definitely ruin your day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What style of death is it? A very I don't feel good, Mister Stark style death. Or- yeah. Uh, yes. You, yeah. you just basically like just keel over and die. I don't remember too much about it because generally the, he doesn't he doesn't do a lot of fighting in the books as I recall because people just generally run away. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's, that sounds that's smart. Yeah. Like if someone it's, just, just, it's, it's exactly like Darth Vader. You never really see him do much because it's all about the rep, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So by the time Darth Vader's turned up, you're probably messed up, haven't you? Yeah. That's the kind of yeah. bad guy I'd like to be. I'd actually probably be quite incompetent, not able to do anything, but I would just roll it all on charisma and just have this air of, like, I can mm. do a lot and hope nobody challenges me. Yeah. <laughs> well, in the, in yeah. the novels, like, you know Kenda are immune to fear. Yes. Oh, yeah. Even they are scared of Lord Soth. Even they, like, crap themselves. It sounds like it's not an irrational fear, though. It's not like, oh, fear is making you, overriding your senses of logic. It just seems like, yeah, you should not be present when they are, because that, yeah, that, that seems entirely logical. I mean, just uh, yeah. that's a lot more. Give it away. The word, if you've got the word death in your name. That, that's a lot more logic with Kenders than I've ever read about. So, yeah, yeah. yeah they're, not, they're, not, they're not deep thinkers. Um, no. Uh, no. Well, we shall have to see how it turns out. So yeah. I am actually interested and excited in it. Fine. I'm, I'm interested Fine. in it. It's very interesting. Fine. So also, at the same time, it's coming out the, uh, the sort of, is it a board, is this a board game kind of thing? It's uh, oh. Warriors of Kryn. Yes. Which I'm, is the big sort of mm. battle board game. I'm oh. interested in this as well. I think it's a really nice tie-in to have it in that sense because mm. it's you have the role-playing where you're doing 
you know, being an individual in this army, but then you can actually just lead the armies and move it around almost yeah. like you're a general, which is a board game opposed to a role-playing yeah. game situation. They sort of say that you can go in and out of the role-playing game and the board game. So you can take your RPG hmm. characters to the board game and back to do the military parts of the campaign or, and then go back to the campaign for the role-playing parts. It's kind of yeah. thing I'm getting. I've seen people do yeah. things like that with... um. A Star Trek game. Um, I knew mm-hmm. someone that did. Oh, what is the space simulator called? You know, where you have different Artemis. roles. Artemis. Yeah. Some people yeah. they played a Star Trek adventure and then they used Artemis for the actual moments of the battles mm. and stuff, and then went back to. Because yeah. you can still kind of role play mm. in there while you're doing it, but yeah. I guess yeah. it's that sort of vibe, which sounds really cool. Mm. So Wes Schneider said, "So he's uh, what is it, Quinn? It's not your usual moving units and strategy. It's more of a strategy game that focuses on those elements." But from a D&D perspective, mm-hmm. you're still playing your characters around the edges of battle, doing what's important to turn the tide of battle, all of the little things that thousands of lives might be riding in. Then once you've played that out, you can then take that result back to Shadow of the Dragon Queen and have that result affect how your RPG continues. Mm. So it's not a mass battle strategy game, it doesn't seem like. No. So I'm not 100% sure what it is. Yeah. But you get minis with it. Um, Santa scale miniatures, um, and there's also six hero miniatures that you can use. There's, have a look. Choices that you will make in DL Walk. DL Walk. Okay, that's what we'll call it now. We'll carry through, but it's not a legacy board game. No cards or such are torn up or removed, but what you do in the board game affects the RPG if you're playing both. It's a cooperative board game designed by Rob Davio and Stephen Baker. Okay. So Ray Whittinger, who's um, yes. the executive producer of D&D, mm-hmm. he was asked, this was um, back in April when all this news first came out, mm-hmm. um, asked whether this board game could be used to do large-scale battles in other D&D settings mm-hmm. or this system. And he said that basically this is kind of a trial. If yeah. it works well, yeah. then they'll consider doing customised versions for other settings. Mm. So this so is like... be something you'll start to see more of. D&D almost yeah. moving into a Warhammer-type territory, maybe. Uh, maybe no like it I mean, seems I'm, small but I did have lots of little models then so I was a bit disappointed yeah. I'm having a hard time imagining what this board game is actually like so it's not mass yeah. battle game and it's you're around the yeah I don't, I don't quite understand what it is but I guess we'll find out more closely I'm intrigued time. I think I want to give it a play yeah we'll, we'll see what it's like I mean I know for a fact that there'll be fan made versions for all of the potential settings you could possibly think of and homebrew settings Mm. within about two days of it coming mm. out, if that happens. Yeah. yeah, so this is coming out, what, December the 6th? So. Yeah. That's Dragonlance. Yeah. Yes. Woo. But there is more news there. other than more? just Dragonlance. There's more than Dragonlance. I refuse to how, credit it. How dare we have more news? So yes. 2023... Yeah. Next year. Is famously next year, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in 2023, five products have been announced. They don't five. do this normally. They normally... They don't normally tell you anything in advance. You find out the next one about three months before, don't you? I yeah, like yeah. this. Yeah. So we know everything that's coming out in 2023. Five yeah. books. Wow. So in winter 2023, uh-huh. that's early 2023, we will get Keys from the Golden Vault. Uh-huh. This, so this is Ocean's Eleven meets D&D. So it's an anthology of adventures revolving around heists. Oh. I love a heist adventure. Hmm. And it makes it... it, it leans into D&D so well like you go into the place yeah. you go to get the loot and you're trying to get out like yeah that's I, I do D&D. enjoy a good heist but mm-hmm. I am I am slightly cautious because the last book that they brought out Waterdeep Dragon Heist 
did not have a heist. Not actually. Yeah, it didn't actually have one in there. So, okay. yeah. I, I'm hopeful. I mean, it does sound good. It's an anthology, so they're generally a bit better with those. Mm. Yeah. What else have we got? Okay, so in spring 2023, mm-hmm. it's the turn of the giants. So we had this band's Treasury of Dragons. Yeah. In, 20, in spring 2023, we've got Big B Presents Glory of the Giants. And this is going to tell you uh, all yeah. about giants, hill giants, frost giants, fire giants, cloud giants, storm giants, probably new giants, mm-hmm. other giants. It's being hailed as your definitive guide for giant gameplay for yeah. D&D. It's, it's going to be the giants, what Fizzband's treasury was to dragons, basically. Mm. I mean, I can't see it being a match for Drake's on the plane, but I'm sure we'll <laughs> be able to find a suitable nickname yeah. for it between now and then. You've got time to think about it. Please. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You'll come up with something, I'm sure. Uh, right, so, so in the summer of 2023, yes. we've got two books. Yes. The first one is The Book of Many Things. Mm-hmm. And this is just kind of like a miscellaneous collection of creatures, locations, and other player-facing goodies related to the deck of many things. I, I do love a deck of many things. I have seen many games very much unrailed. By a deck of many things. Yeah, one of ours was because we had a play. All of yeah. us as players knew what the deck of many things was, but one of the players didn't. Mm. And then my GM kind of had this mysterious person with a deck of cards, like, "Would you like to take some?" And uh, the player that didn't know was like, "Yeah, sure," and took four. So <laughs> um, we were yeah, like, no, I, "I mean, the deck of many things is a sign." Like, there's, there's always like these implicit signs. Like, someone plays a ranger, you know, you want to engage with exploration. If the GM puts the deck of many things in the game, it's like, I'm bored now. Let's move on to a different story. <laughs> <laughs> Try for the campaign to end. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done here. Yeah? Here's a deck of many things. Let's see how it explodes. <laughs> what? What? I, I just say that, that that is what it means. We had right? a player in one of our games that got a hold of a deck of, and just kept taking cards. Well, that's a stop. player saying, I'm yeah. so bored, I'm, I'm yeah. going to see what happens now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, anyway, so that's one of the things coming in summer. Yes. The other thing coming in summer is a Fandelver campaign. Yes. I wonder if that's the actual name of it. Again? I, I, that won't be the name, I'm sure, but no. I think they're just well, saying no, the You just keep going back to Fandelver. It's like, well, yeah. well, I imagine this is going to, it's carrying on from the... Um, Lost my Fandovers so and I, the I guess of what thing. Yeah. It's a full campaign tinged with cosmic horror, apparently. Well, I guess if you've so got that know, starter set... cosmic horror. If you've got that starter set and that was your first D&D introduction, you're probably going to have some nostalgia and some love for that setting. So it makes sense. Because mm-hmm. I think yeah. all of us, the first thing you play, or one of the early things you play, you've kind of got a bit of love for it. So mm. maybe it's just trying to guide those yeah, yeah. people through their mm. wizard... Yeah. Of the coast journey of mm. consumerism. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the, co- the cosmic uh, horror bit does sound interesting, though. Uh, I'll be yeah. interested to see. It's only just tinged with cosmic horror, so I don't know how oh, okay. much cosmic horror you just can expect tinge. to see. We'll yeah. find out, I guess. A soup song of tentacles. Yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, fall twenty twenty three. Yes. That's the big one. Or yes. autumn, as we call it in the. Planescape is coming back. <laughs> El Otoño, see. Si. Yeah. Um, Playscapes come in. Ah. Yeah. So, like, like Spelljammer, it's going to be a three-book set in a slipcase. Yeah. Um, they haven't said much more about it yet, but and we'll find out more of each of these five books as we get closer to them. But, um, yeah, Planescapes coming back in full autumn 2023. I'm not, oh, nice. I'm not that familiar with Planescape. Um, discuss. So, it's basically the Outer Plains. Okay. 
centered around a central location called um, Sigil. It's actually Sigil. It's actually Sigil, deliberately no. mispronounced, apparently, yes, as, yeah. as a joke. Oh, yeah, I can so see it's it not Sigil, down, yeah. Sigil, which is kind of like the hub of the planes, and then there's sort of doorways from there into other planes, and Sigil is run by the Lady of Pain rules Sigil. I've never played a plane stage. Yeah, like oh, this just coming back to me. I think some of... Planescape mm. Torment, the video sort game, of memento-style yeah. video game. Yeah. Which was definitely yeah. a thing. I have yeah. definitely seen it. This is coming yeah. back to me because I remember in a campaign, one of my players, one of my characters, not me as a player, uh, let mm-hmm. the Lady of Pain, and I, I didn't know who they were as a player, so I was like, cool. And everyone else at the table was like, oh my god, and like freaking oh. out, and I was like, I have no context for what this means. So I just had a very casual conversation. She seemed quite mm. nice to me. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but yeah. I so- was missing both player and character were missing the context of that. So uh, oh, uh, interesting. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. She's, she was very nice to my character. Like, we just had a little chat. It was cool. Yeah. Nothing yeah. bad. Is it, is it, this is the setting with the Dustmen as well, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Maybe? Yeah, it's one of the factions, as I recall. I just remember because it's a hilarious name um, for me. Just a bunch of Dusty Men. I, well, I expect them yeah. to turn up and empty my uh, bins with their gold <laughs> army trousers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. My old man's a Dustman. He, <laughs> he wears, wears a Dustman's hat. hat. <laughs> he wears a little army trousers there and he lives to the council flat. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> All the Americans are thinking, what on earth? <laughs> it's fair, it's fair. <laughs> so of those five books, which yeah. one which one jumps out to you? Which is the one that you would most look forward to? Uh, Keys to Golden Ball. Okay. Book of Many Things for me, because I do like a deck of many things. Uh, Maybe Planescape yeah. for me, I think. Okay. Cool. I'm Planescape. Yeah, of, all, of them all, Dragonlance, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More so uh, than any of those. But honestly, I'm probably not going to be buying any, because the one D&D campaign I was in, is now moved to a level up campaign, so I really yeah. don't have any reason. Yeah. Um, so, so. I, I mean, yeah. I'm I'm looking at the Radiant Sistle thinking, oh, this is very pretty, and it's got lots of very pretty ideas inside it. They wish to have them. Mm. And the again, the like the Golden Sistle thing, I'm like, the Golden Key, the Keys to the Golden Vault, I'm like, oh, that's a lot mm. of heists. I do like heists. Yes, I do like ice. And these yeah. are all designed to be dropped into existing campaigns as well. Well, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which is quite useful. But but I, I, I suspect there may be some mag- mega dungeoneering going on as soon as I get my hands on a copy of the Dungeon Delver's Guide. So, yeah. Oh, my schedule exactly. is quite full. My schedule is quite full. What? You mean that Dungeon Delver's Guide that I'm holding in my hands right here? The only one in the world, Fine. I believe. The yes. only copy in the world. Unless nice. they made a dump one at the, at, the, at, the, at the printers. <laughs> it's very nice. Very nice. It's indeed. a big so book. I heard it is. So I remember we had estimated the shipping weights, and I was like, "That's quite heavy. Is it going to be?" And you're like, "Yeah, it's pretty much about that." Uh, yeah, yeah. And the actual final copy will be thinner than that because the proof copies tend to be a bit chunkier. Yeah, but still, it's it's a hefty. Well, we, term. Need, we do need to weigh it for science. Yes, we do. Yes. Oh, I know what I meant to mention. King Arthur Pendragon. Uh, yeah. There's a new quick start adventure for yeah. the new edition of the game. This is uh, sixth mm. edition, and it's like a, a sort of accessible entry point to it. It's called the mm. Adventure of the Sword Tournament, and it's a ready-to-play adventure. And you uh, you get to actually witness the iconic moment where the sword gets pulled from the stone. Oh, okay. Yeah, it takes place within the medieval city of Londinium, yeah. which was the capital city. I'm reading a Dicebreaker article, which was the capital city of the UK during and immediately after the occupation of the country by the Roman Empire. Oh wow! Who knew? 
Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, like King Arthur, like a lot of designers regard that as like one of the best Pendragon, as one of the best RPGs ever made mm-hmm. by the great um, uh, late Greg Stafford. Mm-hmm. So it's, it'd be really, I haven't actually seen much about the sixth edition. It's set to be released next year, I think. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like, uh, like 10 years of collected notes and stuff. Uh, yeah, updated yeah. to a sixth edition, but you can download this adventure for free right now. Ooh. We'll stick the link in the show notes for that, so you can download that. Exciting! Ah, the treasure hoard of Galanthraxus the Terrible. A hard-earned reward indeed. It cost us dear. Alas, poor Bothell. He was a good and stalwart friend. Eaten alive by the mighty fire dragon. At least it was quick. Well, the beast now lies dead, and its treasures are finally ours. A hoard so immense that we will never need to slay another bear owl again. Hmm. We, we can still slay them for fun, right? Oh, of course, my friend. Everybody needs a hobby. Well, anyway, let's take a look at this hoard. Already, I see a full rack of dragon lances and Excalibur... Oh, still in its original packaging. And more gems and jewels in the royal treasury of Highflower. Look, the lost spellbooks of Evisceron the Great. These alone will propel me to the highest ranks of the Orders of Sorcery. And is that the Holy Grail? Oh, it looks like a, a gift set. Oh yeah, pack of six. Well, that's to each then. Hmm, perhaps we should make a list. Excellent idea. Okay, you call them out, I'll write them down. Right, we have Meowmir, the Philosopher's Stone, a matching pair of Infinity Gauntlets. Ooh, a full set of Chaos Emeralds, the Black Cauldron, the Elder Scrolls. Sword of Omens. The one from Thundercats. The very same. Right, right, noted. Now, what's that book there? A Necronomicon, it says. Necronomicon. Okay, we have some Dragon Balls, a crown of immortality, and the hand, eye, and left foot of Vecna, and a deck of many things. Oh, nice. Plus what, uh, a million or so in gold? Uh, at least. Oh, we are made for life, my friends. Oh, hey, hey, what's that you've got? Oh, it's, it's nothing. I saw that too. You just tried to sneak something into your pocket. I did not. You did too. We both saw it. You're you're imagining things. We most certainly are not. Now out with it. Empty your pockets. Fine. What's that? It's just, um, just a little ring. I just, I just like the look of it. It's, um, my precious. Your what? Nothing. Look, just give the ring back and we'll say no more about it. You can't have it. It's mine. It's not yours. My precious! I'm Egg Embry from Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk, and this is Five Minutes at Gen Con. I'm joined by Andrew Lehman of the HP Lovecraft Historical Society. And Andrew, I wanted to ask you about game props. Y'all do a lot of them. What is the advantage for gamers that you see with those particular props? Hello there, Egg. We uh, we produce a lot of uh, super deluxe, high-end, very realistic prop documents for Call of Cthulhu gamers in particular. We've done a few years back when Chaosium uh, released its new edition of Masks of Nyarlathotep. We took it upon ourselves to do a, a gamer prop set of super realistic 
high-end prop documents and audio props. That, that prop set actually comes with a, an MP3 thumb drive that has about seven or eight audio files, so you can actually hear the NPCs talking to you. Uh, it comes with this Chinese scroll, and it comes with dozens of newspaper clippings, and then, you know, People who've played Call of Cthulhu know that newspaper clippings and diaries and old books and maps and letters are frequently um, props that come up during the course of the play. Mm -hmm. And often, you know, Chaosium itself is sometimes limited by what can fit within the confines of a book. So, you know, it can publish a very nice map, but it has to fit inside the book. Since we are not limited by the book, we can make our maps much bigger. They're in full color. We can make, you know, pages torn from the Necronomicon that are literally torn along one edge, so they feel much more realistic. They really give you that added, you know, sensory experience. When we do newspaper clippings, they're printed on real newsprint like a real newspaper. So they even smell like a real newspaper. So it really helps bring players more deeply into the story. Mm -hmm. uh, then, m more recently, Chaosium uh, did its 40th anniversary Kickstarter to re-release some of the uh, classic modules from the mid-1980s, including the original rule book and several of the early supplements like uh, Shadows of Yogg-Sothoth and uh, uh, The Asylum and other tales. Mm -hmm. So we did a second gamer prop set full of super realistic props for the 40th anniversary celebration. And uh, that has just come out. The Massive Nyarlathotep Hotep uh, Gamer Prop Set won the Any Award for Product of the Year and Best Accessory Non-Digital a couple of years back. And the new Cthulhu Classic Prop Set is nominated for those same awards this year. And I guess tonight we'll find out whether or not uh, we have been lucky again. I certainly hope that y'all win. Well, thank you. That would be a lot of fun. So y'all also do some audio dramas. We do audio dramas. Uh, uh, we have a series called Dark Adventure Radio Theater. Mm -hmm. And it's done in the style of 1930s classic radio. So they're not audio books. They're fully dramatized with a cast of very talented professional actors and full orchestral scores and sound effects. It's kind of like a movie, but no picture. Okay. Um, and those also come with prop documents to take you deeper. In, because we ourselves got our start as gamers. So props have always been a central part of our approach to Lovecraftian storytelling. That's always been a major factor. So when we started doing these audio dramas, we thought it would be fun to add prop documents to take you deeper into that story. So every episode of Dark Adventure Radio Theater has at least one newspaper clipping, and then depending on the story, there's photos, there's pages torn from creepy books, there's maps, there's all kinds of great stuff. We've done two of our, we've done, we're, we're working on episodes 25 and 26 right now, um, but two of the episodes we've done in the past are adaptations of Chaosium games. One is uh, based on The Fungi from Yuggoth, which is by Keith Herber, and it was one of the early modules. It's the first Call of Cthulhu game I ever played. It was the first time I'd ever heard of H.P. Lovecraft, and it changed the course of my life because I've been doing Lovecraft stuff ever since. So our radio adaptation of that game is called The Brotherhood of the Beast. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, multiple CDs. It's like four hours long and it has multiple endings so you can choose where you want the story to go just like as if you were playing a game. We also did a seven-hour adaptation of Masks of Nyarlathotep uh, which is uh, a crazy fun and a massive undertaking. <laughs> Appreciate that. And since we're doing five minutes here, let me go ahead and ask you, 
Uh, for fans who want to learn more about what y'all do, yeah. where can they follow you? Uh, if you Google Lovecraft Society, you'll find us. We're easy to find on the internet. We're at hplhs.org. Uh, that's where you'll find our huge website and our online store. And uh, we have lots of fun stuff to offer. Appreciate it. And uh, have a good rest of your gin con. Thank you, Egg. Malak the Maleficent here. If, like me, you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on Patreon for exclusive bonus content every week and the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you are helping to keep the show going. Subscribe at patreon.com slash morris. There, I said it. Can you stop staring at me like that now? The things I do. All right, all right. Don't forget patreon.com slash morris. Can I go now? We're going to talk about something that is being called One D&D. Yes. This is the name of 2024's revised D&D edition. They're going with One D&D is the name. Yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about that name. It's not great to me. Well, story of my life. I'm assuming that the one will be dropped like D&D next, like the next got dropped by the time the books came out. Yeah. I guess one D&D, it will just be D&D when it comes out because they have been talking about how they this is going to be the last edition of D&D and it's going to be evergreen and they're not doing editions anymore. Uh-huh. But they said that about D&D Next and 5e. It's the exact same things they said yeah, like yeah. verbatim. So, yeah. I can't believe it's not 5th edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess well, from a marketing perspective, why they called it one D and D because they've recently acquired various, you know, D and D Beyond, and they're looking to have a fully integrated play space. So mm. I get the marketing. A marketing person has sat and done this, and they've been like, "It's one experience. It's all D and D. Whether you're playing on person, wherever you buy your content, mm. and it's so like I get like how you got there, but it just feels like something I named. You know. Also, the <laughs> initialisms of it are. Our OD and D, which is already a, mm. a favour of D and D, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, original yeah. D and D. So, but anyway, it comes. It comes in three pillars. Yeah. So the three pillars are: there's going to be an updated rule set, which mm-hmm. we already knew was coming. They say it's still fifth edition. Yeah. It's not a new edition, um, but it's reorganised, revised, and has new character options. But it is going to be 100% back compatible. They say. Yeah. So I think that's that's good. That means people don't have to rebuy. All yeah. their books, which I think is the fear a lot of yeah. players had if you jumped in at fifth edition. So the second pillar is D and D Beyond, which yes. is going to be a whole digital tool suite, and yep. it's going to have lots of other tools and adventure and dungeon building tools and things yeah. for the for the DM. So D and D Beyond is going to be the basis, the, the central pillar of all of this. Yeah, and also they're going to be one thing that people have been asking for a long time is when you buy something on uh. in hardcover. Yes. Why do you have to buy it separately on D&D Beyond? Yes. Starting with, I think, Dragonlance this year, actually. Ooh. They are going to start bundling the two together. So you can buy the physical and get it on D&D Beyond as well. Ooh, nice. I, I do nice. like that. I think that's, that's a good yeah, thing to do. I think that makes sense. And finally, the third pillar is going to be a, uh, what they call a fully integrated play space, which is basically a virtual tabletop, a 3D 
graphically rich, Unreal Engine-powered virtual tabletop mm-hmm. is, is what they're going to be making. Now, I have seen people on Facebook and other places commenting, what does that mean for third-party publishers? And it sounds like bad news for them because... No, I think it, it is bad news for them. Yeah. yeah. Producing content for that is yeah. going to be difficult. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it's but, by invitation and only if you're of a certain size. So, yeah. Mm, yeah. So, which of those three things do you want to dive into first? Should we, should we go in order? Mm. Updated rule set. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, there's a playtest document out already. Mm. It came out last night. Yes. It is the Origins section. Mm-hmm. It's uh, under the sort of Ernest Arcana banner, playtest documents, where they're yes. going to be putting them out, sticking out a survey two weeks later mm-hmm. to get feedback on mm-hmm. it. And this, basically, I assume you both have looked at it, have you? Mm. I have skimmed I've, it. I've, I have not gone into detail. I will. Me too. Yeah, I've skimmed oh, yeah. it. Have you? <clears throat> I, I, I've looked at it probably in a little bit of detail. Yeah. I, I just... I was looking at what I was interested in, but as you know, I am very interested in heritages, cultures, backgrounds, that sort of thing. Yeah. That's yeah. built of making a character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, so this, so this playtest document basically deals with race mm-hmm. back and background primarily. Yes. So what are some of the changes that jumped out at you? Um, I've got, a, I've got a whole list of them, which we can whip through in a minute. Yeah. Uh, what, what are the ones that jumped out at you? Yeah, like I, I, I made some like a couple of notes. Uh, yeah. I like that they're looking at going back to fourth edition, mm-hmm. similar to how Pathfinder Second Edition has brought that in with these spell power sources. Uh, I feel that's more coherent design allows better design. So there's three Arcane. of them, I believe. Is that correct? Uh, Arcane, Arcane Divine, Divine Primal. and Primal. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 What was the fourth one in fourth edition? There were four of them. Did Arcane I? Divine Primal. Wow, I cannot remember. But there was a fourth one. There were four. Okay. Or perhaps they're okay. holding that back for the... Or maybe I'm completely misremembering, I don't know. I, I'm afraid I didn't play enough for uh, 4th edition to actually be able to tell yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, so yeah. So what else jumped out at you there? Um, I liked the new conditions slowed, which mm-hmm. means that uh, people attacking you have advantage, and you have disadvantage on deck saves, and essentially you have your movement halved. So mm-hmm. I thought that was, that was quite a nice little condition, um, mm-hmm. worth nicking. They formalised tremor sense, which uh, I don't remember them doing too anywhere else. But it's nice to have it so that you actually know what it does. Inspiration mm-hmm. is probably the most excite, one of the more exciting things. So you get that whenever you get a crit. Is that correct? Yeah, whenever you roll a twenty, and now it stays until the long rest. Uh, and I, I, I'm going to say it's because they wanted it used because mm. it, dep- it it was very GM dependent. GMs like me. It's like, hey, it's inspiration. Have some inspiration. I'd throw it all because that was a better currency to make to get players to do what I wanted. But here they're like, no, no, we actually want you to use the inspiration mechanic and put advantage in the hands of players, which, mm. yeah, is nice. And they've returned fumbles to ability checks, which um, I'm, I'm less keen on. I don't particularly like it in Advanced 5th Edition. Uh, and I don't think it's particularly strong here because an ability check. It's something that I feel you should be able to do. So you no longer have a skill floor. It's like 5% of the time you, you'll just mess up. I don't mess up 5% of my daily tasks, as far as I'm aware. Are you sure? Pretty sure. I mean, you mess up about 5% of the podcast, I think. I do, don't I? Oh, that little. Oh, well. <laughs> Doing well, then. So, so I've, got, I've got a list here. Is there anything you wanted to add to that, Jess, before I go through the list? Yeah. So there's things that jumped out at me that like 
I felt overall a little bit, and now this might be from me skimming it and not getting in the detail, I felt a little bit like they were trying to make spellcasters feel a bit weaker to make melee classes feel a bit stronger. Right. Mm. It it felt a bit like that was happening, which instead of going, yeah. oh, melee characters, we're going to give you more awesome stuff so you're up to that level, it felt like bringing down spellcasters instead of, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I have skimmed it, so I'm happy for people to tell me I'm wrong and we're on the internet, so I'm sure people will. Uh, yeah. But that's what <laughs> I just kind of felt like. I've, Wait, we're on the internet? This goes out on the yeah, don't worry, we don't tell Ross about it. Don't worry about it. Don't Google yeah, yourself either. No. So that was don't one thing. That's all wrong. I <laughs> did like the the change um, of separating background from race, so you can make a bit more customizable characters. I think I'm a little bit spoiled by Level Up Advanced Fifth Edition for that customized, you know, level. Mm. But I think it's I yeah. think it's a step away from the criticisms about bioessentialism that have been said in D&D. But there are some people online, and I don't think I'm the person to comment and talk about this as sitting here as a white lady, but some people have said that it's not really kind of enough and they've seen some problematic issues with that. When it is a play test, if that's the feedback, presumably they will take that. Yeah, definitely. And I'm not going to add my voice to that conversation because, you know, (laughs) mine is not a voice that needs to be added to that conversation. But I, I like that at least there's steps moving towards moving away from that. and Because um, also, it's just more fun to play a game where if everybody's playing, if someone says, I'm playing a Dragonborn, you kind of know exactly a lot of what they're going to be like. You know, like yeah. how it's going to work generally. So I think if you can have more customization in it, so multiple people can play like Dragonborn, but they're different, you know, cultures. Different, yeah, yeah, different cultures, different, you know, yeah. backgrounds yeah. and stuff. Yeah. It yeah. makes it more interesting. Yeah. And makes the game. It makes it more real. It makes it more replayable as well. Yeah. So because oh, yeah, it means yeah. you know you're not like going through all the different character races to try. Of classes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so yeah. it's yeah. Do the classes, do the different quote races unquote. Whereas if you've got a heritage effect, you can mix and match heritage. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about being able to mix and match heritages, but I didn't didn't couldn't really find any of that in there. Um, I think you're supposed to be able to take different traits. It's like it's, yeah, it's, yeah. There's a, there's a sidebar in there about you oh. you you can choose between the different traits from the two different heritages. Yeah, I think they have oh. uh, rec- races that you want to choose. And from. I think they said they're planning on having recommended backgrounds for certain races, but you can do whatever. Yeah. So here's, here's my takeaway from it. So yeah. basically, mm-hmm. in terms of the list of races, mm-hmm. the half races are gone. There are no half elves and there are no half orcs. Yes, they're gone. We now have orcs. Full-fledged orcs. Mm-hmm. And we're now to go along with the tieflings, we yes. have ardlings. <laughs> now, sorry. I've seen a lot of speculation about why there are ardlings and not Asimar. Asimar? The general feeling is that Asimar, they can't copyright, ardling, they can. So, um, right. Because that's their own word they've just made up. So, ardlings are like the, the sort of. I don't know, sort of heavenly version of tieflings, which are the sort of like are, that, yeah. are they? They've got version. sort of beast heads and stuff like that. Like a yeah, they're kind of like mixed with, yeah, they're kind of like Azimar yeah. slash animal people. But right. people love playing bipedal animals yeah. in D so they're now baked straight into the core rules. Um, also, in terms of races, they're a bit odd. Sub races Sub races appear to be gone completely. Oh, okay, yeah. There's literally just one version of each race. Now, I don't know if that's yeah. just because this is an early playtest and we haven't got to the sub-races yeah, yet maybe. and there'll be in another one, or they yeah. are, in fact, getting rid of sub-races. Oh, I mean... So I don't know which of those things it is. 
Yeah. So there's no subtypes of dwarf. There's no subtypes of halfling. Everyone's like, I like put halfling. Maybe now. they're trying to do that with background. So, Possibly. you know what I mean? I mean like that's yeah. yeah. I, I mean, level up, you've got, like, the heritage gifts, which I quite like, because it means you don't have, like, a, quote, sub-race, which I find a yeah, intellectually choose, challenging yeah. concept. Mm. But, yeah, you've just got different people have different gifts. Yeah. And they've got some similarities, and they've got things where they can be yeah. quite different. Which... So, look at, so Jess, you mentioned, you mentioned the backgrounds there. Yeah. Mm. So, this is interesting. So, they've moved the ability score bonus mm-hmm. from race mm. to background. Yeah. Good idea, that. Mm-hmm. Only someone else who'd would thought of, of that. Who would think of that, Russ? <laughs> so, I <could> say. <laughs> so yeah. backgrounds uh, now have the ability scored. They get uh, mm. two skills, a tool, a language, a feat, and 50 mm. gold pieces worth of gear. Yeah. So yeah, first level characters start with a feat now. Yeah. There's been, like again, a bit of controversy about that because they've also tied feats to levels. Hmm. So um, I suspect that some of the more exciting traditional combos, like Polar Master, Sentinel, Polar Master, Great Weapon Master, that sort of thing, uh, Sharpshooter, Crossbow Expert, all the all the happy things which meant that you could say, ah, I could do ridiculous damage, <laughs> have probably been gated to different levels. Mm. Just to make it hard to do that, which I guess is a way of balancing it. And it's sort of... A bit how uh, level up does it. So yeah, again, fair play to him. It's not a terrible. Well, all the feats in there were all first level, weren't they? In that particular playtest document. Yes, uh, but there are well, also. But that does imply that there will be others that are not. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. very much so. Uh, things I quite liked, for instance, alert introduced the references to surprised condition, which mm. is where you have disadvantage, disadvantage during your initiative roll, and there was mm. a lot of talk about like being incapacitated also means that you have, again, the disadvantage. An alert lets you swap your initiative with mm. a another character. And as you will recall, they're very keen on making this back compatible. And mm. one of the things which has given, like, a lot of people a lot of grief is trying to make the 5th edition player's handbook Assassin mm. a playable concept. Like, I brainstormed with the what people in R3D6 like a couple of years ago in an attempt to work out how you could make it a non-terrible character and Mm. we found one way to do it which was very specific so Mm. this you got alert which is a very common background for criminals and then you can swap with someone higher and then that will actually let you use your assassin ability which requires you to surprise enemy or to at least go first before they do, because it's the first round of combat enemy. If you buff that initiative roll, that's it, mate. You've had it. You do not get to use your class ability, which is quite a significant design for. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. It's not that fun. <laughs> it's like that. That it's, it's like if you have a GM who runs it, the rules as written, you're going to have a terrible time playing an assassin unless you have built and get lucky. And oh, oh, very dependent. Very dependent. Okay. You seen the change to the dragonborn breath weapon? So that's gone back to a full action 15-foot cone. Has it not always been a full action? Yeah, what was it before? Is it not a bonus action? It's a bonus action in the game that we're playing, because I really like Dragonborn actually getting to use is their... It not, is it not in Core 5e? It's not It's not in Core 5 Core, oh. Core 5e, it's an action. In oh. Level Up, it's an action. And it's like, I mean, it's powerful, but they, they barely get to use it. So right, okay. that's why yeah. it's a bonus action in our game. So sorry about that, yeah. Russ. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I'm, I'm clearly incorrect about that one. Yeah. Um, 
so what was your overall impression then of this protest material? There are some bits that I welcome and mm-hmm. I can understand the thinking, but I'm a little bit disappointed that they missed some opportunities. And one of the opportunities they missed is with the backgrounds and the mm-hmm. tiny ability scores there. If you're not going to go with Tasha's and let people just throw plus two, plus one, wherever, that's fine. I'm okay with that. But 13th Age has shown that what you can do is you could have a plus two in the class, a plus one on the background, and then that makes a lot of sense because things that you used to do and things that you're actively doing are places where you should have more ability. I mean, well, I seem to recall that the D&D Next playtest, yes. maybe, I might be wrong, because this was a long time ago, did have that, and hmm. it didn't make it through to the final game. Yeah. This was like 10 years ago or whatever. But I do seem to recall that you did get ability scores yeah. from your class. I mean, well, like 10 years ago, or 8 years ago, whatever it was, it, it's a long time ago, and if you recall, people absolutely blew every single gasket. Some people blew absolutely every single gasket they had at the idea in Tasha's that you could decouple things that orcs no longer needed a minus two to intelligence. Yeah, they could be yeah. a playable character. Oh, yeah, a lot of people were very yeah. upset about so that. So I'm going to say, yeah, so, I don't care. <laughs> Talk about the background. So the default now is that your background is a custom background. You basically oh, okay. design it yourself. So you they give some sample backgrounds, yeah. their suggestions of backgrounds, yeah. and there's a whole list of them. But basically, a background is a smaller unit than it mm. is in Core 5e. It's only like four or five lines long in total. Um, You get plus two to one ability, plus one to another, or plus one to three abilities. Mm -hmm. Two skills, a tool, a language, a first level feat, and 50 gold a gear. And basically, you use those and you just make your own background up. I I like that. It's kind of like a Lego approach to D&D. Yeah. And I I think that's really good, because I think then you have just infinite customization. And you can make it work for what you want to play. I'm quite fond of Lego in D&D. That's... um, So, a, a phrase I got from you, Peter. <laughs> I, I may have, I, I may have put some words to paper about such a thing. Yeah, uh, as it's been known. Yeah, I mean, it, it's nice. It sort of does put more effort onto the GM to adjudicate things, but it looks like you will. It, it takes a lot of homebrews, uh, homebrew rules, which is a quite, quite frequent. You give someone a feat at first level to allow mm. for more variation. Mm. Yeah. It's not strictly necessary in advanced fifth edition to that because you have the culture, but in basic D and D, you, yeah, they are very samey. It's not. Mm. It's just a part of the simplicity. Also means that things do tend to feel very, very samey, and there are optimal backgrounds. So having a default background, yeah, and ex- mm. I mean, there's like plenty of examples. I will slightly miss the background features. Mm-hmm. like having a contact to the Feast Guild, but those were always quite hard to implement from the GM side of the table. They were, they were quite role-playing as well, weren't they, as opposed to mechanical? No, I, I mean, and that's fine, I, like, but it's like you had to sort of, once someone presented you with the feature, you had to sort of like shoehorn it into the game, or the mm. player had to be actively looking for a chance to shoehorn it into the game. Mm. And obviously it did feel quite shoehorned as a result, what was shoehorning mm. going on. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. One thing they one thing they are testing about character backgrounds here that Jeremy Crawford said in a meeting mm-hmm. is that they are testing giving character backgrounds a more significant component and one that can grow as the character does. So there's a chance that what we're just seeing is the first part of backgrounds. I yeah, that's if maybe that, what I if, thought. That's intriguing. Yeah. If they, you're thinking more feet chains, perhaps. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Mm. Yeah. It's possible. 
I would be a little bit disappointed if they started making feet chains because whilst a lot of people had a lot of fun in third edition, making characters and designing them all the way up to 20th level, I quite like in fifth edition. You can slap a character together in 20, 30 minutes and mm. start role playing, and then you just take what you like when you like it, and it will generally, it will generally work. It won't be too bad. I mean, you yeah. can make it go wrong if you start like multi-classing, but on the whole, mm. you pick pick out various bits and bobs, and it will, yeah, it will be fine. Yeah. And that was a very robust system, which didn't require system mastery to enjoy it. Mm. Yeah. So I'm looking at the uh, Ardling. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Supernal beings who are either born on the upper plains or have one or more ancestors who originated there. Their bright souls shine with the light of immortal beings. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they've got a flight ability. Mm. You can fly yeah. for a number of feet equal to your speed, and you have to land at the end of that, otherwise you fall. Okay. Um, you can do that a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus between long rests, which I think is becoming the standard yeah. now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, lifespan 200 years on average, speed 30 feet, size medium or small. Um, there's a lot of size choice here. Good. You can often choose your size. Yeah, yeah. They really, which which is nice. And um, I, I think part of the reason they're moving away from long rests is because computer games, which mm-hmm. are very important, cannot handle short rests. Right. Like, at all easily. Like, uh, Baldur's Gate 3 had the Devil's Own job. Uh, Celasta... It manages it, but it had to severely nerf a lot of the classes because yeah. it, because if you can short rest with essentially no penalty, you're going to have a bad time. Whereas a mm. human GM would be like, nah, gone. Chance yeah. you're on somewhere else, sunshine. Uh, in the computer, you're just like, oh, so short rest, what are you doing about it? Oh, yeah, mm. you have a short rest, that seems fine. Yeah, I don't know. They don't like them. They don't like them, which is a shame because they're a beautiful mechanic and a lot of fun. Mm. Yeah. So that's the, that's the playtest of the originals, which they put out yesterday. Yeah. Uh, oh, and there was one thing I did notice, which maybe a lot of people won't, but with long rests, uh, a long rest can be disrupted by combat or one hour of activity. Yeah. I thought they always could. Yeah, I think... No, you... Mm. Certainly, certainly how I've always I've, played. Maybe that's... Because I think a lot of things they did in this is they commented, we've hmm. noticed a lot of people homebrew this, so we're just going to make it canon. Right, yeah. Okay. I, that is just something that I assumed was the case anyway. I, I'm surprised I think they've done wasn't. a lot of that because I've heard a lot of people saying, oh, that's how I've always played it. I assume that's just how, how it's played. Right, right. R- R- rules as written, you could only interrupt a long rest with an hour of combat. Mm. And this, I'm like, well, okay. Being in a fight would be unrestful. Yes. But you've got eight hours and most fights in D&D last in the... Three rounds, so that's less than seconds. 20 seconds. It is so quick when yeah. you think about it. We yeah. were talking about our, yeah. our fight scene. We're like, cinematically, yeah. that would have been like, chaw, 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 done. And there's the yeah. sound yeah. effects for the audience. I hope you enjoyed my oh, idea. Does it, does it actually specifically say how long a round is in 5 Yeah, I think they said it's like six seconds. I know traditionally it has yeah. been in the past, but in 5 yeah. does it specifically say a round is six seconds? Or are we just carrying that assumption over from just as general knowledge? Well, that sounds completely wrong, and it's twice as long, and each round is 12 seconds. That's still 36 seconds well, for three well, rounds there, of combat. There have, been, there have been editions of D&D where a round is a minute. So, you know, it's... It, it was, it's possible. It would be quite the break with tradition. Mm-hmm. And I feel that it would make things like Bless get a lot better. Well, yeah. yeah. Nah. Or a lot worse. Well, actually, yeah, if the round's a minute long, then Bless and the becomes one minute long. 
And it's mm. like, well, that's that's like one round. And that's yeah. something worthwhile casting. So, are there? Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, anyway, so overall impressions. Like, don't like, interested. It's, it's an improvement. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, what do you think, Jess? I mean, yeah. my my response is, eh, that's an issue. But I think my issue is just I'm so yeah. into level up right now that yeah. I'm just yeah. comparing it to that, which isn't really fair. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. why they get they do try and do two different things. To be fair, yeah, they're di- they're, and that's why I mean they're you know, different. We're trying to do something different with level up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. hundred percent. So, so that's and, why I said yeah. it's not fair for me to do that. But that's just all yeah. I'm doing because I, I literally yeah. started a new level up campaign this week, so I'm very excited about it all. So I'm just, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's things like they're they're working. It's, I feel for them. It's a hard job because they're trying to work within the design constraints of being a hundred percent back compatible level up. Mm. Has to be back compatible with the adventures, and that mm. is a much easier task to achieve. Mm. So we've got stuff like, yeah, um, I look forward to seeing what they do with Warlocks and Pact of the Blade, mm-hmm. because traditionally Hexblade was totally not a patch for Warlock Pact of the Blade. Totally was a patch. Mm. Sorry. I'm not bitter. Yeah. You're bitter. Nah. Huh. <laughs> so the other sort of aspect to all of this, mm-hmm. aside from just the playtest of, of the uh, D&D 1 rule set, mm-hmm is the digital play environment. Mm. So there were yes. some screenshots of this in the trailer. There's a trailer mm. which you can watch. It's, but it's like, there was like an hour long video that you yep. could watch, which was possibly too long for a lot of people to watch. People yeah. pulled out <laughs> screenshots of, of it. Yeah. And basically it, it's powered by the Unreal Engine. Yes. And it's like an isometric view mm-hmm. of a tabletop. But it's very much designed to look like a tabletop with miniatures. Mm-hmm. So it's not designed to look like a video game, and it's not designed to be re- photorealistic or anything. Yeah, yeah. So it looks like an isometric view of a tabletop with miniatures. I assume you'll be able to buy digital miniatures and things like that. I was that. about to say, I'm hearing in-app purchases. Like, yeah. And I bet dice clatter across it when you roll yeah, dice and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's very much designed to look like you're actually at a table. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I'm going to assume this is going to be very, very central to their whole thing. Like, we release an adventure, and... And it's available. You'll be able to play it using that virtual tabletop. I mean, yeah, it just... It means that... I mean, it looks very flashy, very flashy. Even makes, you know... Compared to things like Roll20 and stuff like that, it looks super amazing. Mm. Yeah, I was surprised to hear that, because didn't we recently say Roll20 integrated with it? Was it the DM's Gills? With Roll20. That's right, yeah. yeah. Drive yeah. Through, drive yeah. Through RPG, yeah. That's the one. Yes, uh, yeah. yeah. So I kind of thought this would be coming later because, mm. yeah, do you know what I, I mean? <laughs> like, just. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, they're moving to switch it all to a world, world garden. It will be Wizards of the Coast games run on Wizards of the Coast servers using Wizards of the Coast IP. Mm. Yeah, you will not be I able mean, that's. Bringing your own that- third party stuff. Is a worry, I think. Yeah, I that mean, is that, a worry. It's it, it's it's a it's a it's a strategy because, like, I will again shake it's my what fist at for. the sky. Yeah, at large yeah. I mean, I mean, we don't know for sure. They might make it easy for people to add content. If it, it depends on what an adventure consists of. If 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 you can leverage the assets that the tabletop already has, you don't have to create assets. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. It depends. It depends I mean, this is works, a podcast. It's an audio format, so people cannot see my expression. Um, mm. But it, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't. 
why would they why would they open it up for other people what how could they possibly benefit mm. yeah like from a commercial point of view it seems like they can just say well we've got a monopoly now can play mm. with our stuff and that's okay i guess like from a commercial point of view that's that's what it makes yeah that's what commercial companies should do the whole system is designed for them to do that there's literally Mm. no incentive for them to not do it yeah they're they're big enough that they can essentially act like apple and say well this is our walled garden if you want to come and play inside it then you've got to meet our criteria but unfortunately here in the real world we do know that tends to come with certain problems Mm. like uh, small designers, uh, people like myself. I mean, I'm not particularly worried about it. I'm not expecting to make money <laughs> designing for D&D. Right. So yeah. I've got some, I've put in a, given you a link there for some screenshots of the actual digital play space, yeah. what it looks like. So basically, they've, they, uh, Wizard of the Coast said, currently players are cobbling together all kinds of different apps and websites yes. to have a truly integrated D&D experience, which is true. Fair. It's just fair thing. Yeah. What we want to do is actually just provide all the tools that the players need to play in one space. So at the moment, you're kind of using D&D Beyond and Roll20, and you might have something yeah. else running as well. And, you know, you're using a lot of different stuff. Oh, yeah. So what they want is you to just use this one app. Mm-hmm. But if you have a look at it, do you see what I mean? Where literally it's it's designed to look like actual miniatures. Yeah, yeah. Um, on, I, a, I, on a 3D environment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's very nice. It's very pretty. It's sort of I, what you I want I mean, it's a dick if you robust tools that you can create your own dungeons and stuff like that. <laughs> I wonder what yeah, the, like, bits. what your computer mm. will need to be able to run this. Like how, if you don't have a gaming PC and you're just playing on your little laptop, no. you can run Roll20 on that and have Discord going. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's fine, but... You can roll. You can run Roll Twenty on like things like tablets, Kindle Fire. That's what I mean. But yeah, it's, this, it's been done. I think people have tried to play it on the phone, which was bold choice, but love that. I mean, I've not, but I can. I can imagine you could because it's a yeah. web browser. Th- I mean, it would just be very yeah. small. But yeah. you know, yeah, I don't know is the answer to that, and I imagine yeah. we probably won't know for some time because it's in really early alpha yeah. Yeah, yeah. stage at yeah. the moment. Um, it's interesting, and I imagine that's... there'll be a subscription charge for it. For oh, stuff yeah. and yeah, subscription which, charge, which makes yeah, which makes sense because obviously this is going to be a lot for them to make, so it makes sense that they would charge you to, to use it. Mm. So I wonder if that paywall will keep other things alive. Mm. And they, who's going to pay for it? Is it is it is it the GM? I don't know how it works. I, don't I know. mean, that's that's. I, mean, I don't. I don't even they know yet. Maybe it's just yeah. access, so you can run games or be a player. So it's just if you pay. You know, you're five or a month, yeah. you've got access to the digital tool. Yeah. And maybe they'll bundle yeah. it with D&D Beyond, so it's like... Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that would make sense, so that you've got the integrated, you get the hardback, you get the play space. I mean, I can see a lot you can do with it, and it, a lot of it would be really fun and really interesting. Mm. It's just No, like, this isn't the first time they've tried to do this. Is it not? No, they tried, they tried, to, do, they tried to do this with Gleemax. Years ago, and that failed catastrophically. So this is their second oh, attempt. Why did at it? This. Why did it fail? I don't know about that. I can't remember the details now. It just did not go you well. But my did they not have... It's consigned to the dustbin of history. This is like fourth edition era. I yeah, think. yeah. They, there was the whole murder suicide. I think that didn't help. But I, I, I think there were fundamental problems with the actual. I, I, I mean, the, the, project the, as well. The technology wasn't there. I'm going to mm. say. But yeah, so I mean, now it's we've had oof, 
a decade of development and the past two years people have really thrown themselves at it you've got the rise of things like foundry so there's like a lot of stuff available and wizards has a ton load more money these days <laughs> just the yeah mm. yeah no so i mean like it looks like it should be quite an interesting and exciting place to play like you can definitely get a lot of immersion out of it and mm. i think as long as you're happy to stick on the guide rails and you know do what do what you're told and play in the way that they want you to play they all work nicely. Mm. It's just like if you like going a bit off the rails and like doing, doing stuff that's a bit weird, a bit way. Well, we'll have to wait and see yeah, how, yeah. how much it is, but it's a long yeah. way off. And they're really, and they say they're really, really early on in, in the design of this at the moment. So. I'm well, intrigued yeah, though. But, it does look very nice. Um, and I'm intrigued to see how it goes as a player. Yeah. 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 Right, and we've got, we've got until 2024 and the release of I Can't Believe It's Not 6th Edition. So, yeah. Let's see how that goes. Yeah. Well, there you go. I think we've covered it. D&D 1. We've covered the announcements. Is there anything that we've missed that we need to add to all of that? Mm-hmm. It's been a big week of news, but I think we've pretty much covered Talked it all. Talked for Fantastic. an hour and a half about it, so I think. Yeah. yeah. Plus all the Dragonlance stuff, and plus all the releases next year. I'm more excited for the Dragonlance stuff. It's, been a big, it's basically today has all been D&D, hasn't it? It has. It's yeah. a D&D day. Yeah. D&D. Okay. Well, I suggest I just recall it there. Just remind everybody that our Kickstarter is in less than two weeks now. Eleven days, I think it is, Ooh. or ten days by the time this goes out, and that will be for the Dungeon Devils yes. Guide. I will put the link in the show notes. Go over there, get notified when it comes, when it launches, because it's going to be amazing. Yes, it it will be, in fact, amazing. It's it's a work of art and mm. some of the finest design that I've seen in years, which I'm quite like. I was not expecting. But yeah, looking forward to it. And if you want to hear all about it, we did a live stream yesterday that is on uh, you should. On, uh, on the internet. Anyway, Ian Publishing is. Ian Publishing Live. Okay, anyway, we're done. We're done. We're done for today. We're done so, Excellent. All right. Till next week. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. But I'm sure we'll be able to find a suitable nickname for it between now and then. You've got time to think about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you'll come up with something, I'm sure. Big B goes large. Yeah. Big B goes so large. So we've got... Well, you've like, done it. I, I am an instant fan of that. You've so. done it. Okay. You've done it. So, open to more suggestions, but immediately, yes. Big B goes large. <laughs>